The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. I don't like it. I want to be up there in Group A. I don't care who we get. We should be up there competed against them. But, you know, as you said, we're going to win that group and then get promoted, hopefully. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Now you're very welcome back. So we're going to turn to Formula One. Rebecca Clancy covers Formula One for The Times. She's on the line. Good evening. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So we just wanted to check in because we are... Uh, five races into the season and already things are looking very ominous. Red Bull domination <laughs> to the fore and Max Verstappen looking, of course, for a third world title. We had the drama of Saudi Arabia, that controversial win over Lewis Hamilton. He cantered home last season and it is looking like he's going to canter home again this season. Yeah, it's um, it's been a pretty dominant display by Max Verstappen. He's won three of the first five races the Miami Grand Prix last weekend was probably his most dominant. He started ninth, um, and I'm not sure you would have found anyone in the paddock who didn't think that uh, he was going to win it um, because that Red Bull is just so fast. The straight line speed advantage that it has over absolutely every other car is just means it can fly past. It, it barely even needs um, the help of the DRS for the overtake. So it, it wasn't a great surprise to see him win from ninth. There was a suggestion from George Russell at Mercedes at the start of the season that Red Bull were going to win every race. And as you say, it's looking pretty ominous that they may just do that. That is a touch dispiriting for all <laughs> concerned. Did I read uh, Max Verstappen was booed on the podium? Is there, Was there some particular reason? Or was this just a case of, oh God, we're already sick of the sight of this? I'd, I'd say it's the latter, yeah. So they had um, the um, American owners of Formula One are trying very hard to make it more of a spectacle. So if you didn't see Miami at the weekend, there was this big procession before the race and every driver was individually announced and big fireworks. LL Cool J was involved as the announcer and Will I Am was conducting an orchestra with some music that he'd created for F1. And <clears throat> it was this big, big show. Um, and everybody was announced and I'm not entirely sure the, the order they did it in. But anyway, Max Verstappen came out last to huge amounts of booze. And he has a lot of people who love him, uh, particularly the ones dressed in orange, his Dutch fans. Uh, and he has a lot of people who aren't on his side and are massive Lewis Hamilton fans. And Lewis Hamilton has a lot of fans in America. Um, and so, yeah, as you, as you say, he was booed before the race. He was booed after the race. Uh, he claimed he didn't really care. But um, I think it's one of those things as well. I mean, looking back at the days of the dominance of Sebastian Vettel when he was racing for Red Bull, sort of 2010 to 2013 and winning everything, he was booed. Lewis Hamilton has been booed plenty of times in his career. I think people just don't like the the win after win after win. And then, you know, as you say, it's ominous. It's It's not a great spectacle. It's certainly not great for the sport for this to happen um, so I don't imagine Max Verstappen will be taking it too personally No and he's saying things like I feel unbeatable which isn't exactly you know <laughs> He's not <laughs> short on confidence Getting everybody you know on his side as the plucky underdog How has this happened the might of uh, Mercedes or, or, or what we had felt was the might of Mercedes for so long seems to have uh, dwindled from a technological point of view and then we had thought Ferrari were making big gains and, and suddenly here we are we pitch up and Red Bull have stolen a march again yeah we had this big re- regulation change um, which came in at the start of 22 the, the idea uh, believe it or not was to make it a more level playing field so that any of the 20 cars could win the race. It's obviously not done the job it was supposed to, uh, and that is being looked at at the moment. Um, Mercedes completely got the regulations wrong. They uh, went a bit 
rogue, shall we say, with their design. It hasn't worked out for them. They are bringing big, big upgrades to the next race in Imola in two weeks' time, or just under two weeks' time, um, hoping that they can somehow close the gap. I mean, in reality, they're not going to because the development just won't be quick enough to catch Red Bull. Ferrari, you mentioned... um, I hate to say this, but they're just a perennial disappointment. Um, Year after year, they start with great promise. They do have a fast car. You know, they've proven it. Charles Leclerc was on uh, pole in Baku, um, but they just, for some reason, cannot translate that pace on Saturday qualifying into the race on Sunday. Uh, They've had one podium out of the five races. It's not not been great for them. Um, So Red Bull's dominance is being flattered slightly by... Mercedes and Ferrari getting it so wrong but it has then opened the door to Aston Martin to come in and you know fan favorite Fernando Alonso has been third in four of the five races um and I I I would argue that the Aston Martin isn't that quick and actually it's Fernando Alonso outperforming the car um but yeah it's not a great state for F1 at the moment it's interesting you mentioned that the sports stakeholders are trying to make F1 more competitive and they would love a situation whereby all 20 drivers would be in with a very real chance of uh, winning a race. I'm sure easier said than done, clearly, given uh, what's happened this season. How long, Rebecca, have the stakeholders in F1 been really keen to push for that kind of competitiveness? So Libsy Media bought the sport at the start of 2017. Um, everything takes quite a, for a very fast sport, it's very slow uh, to turn the tide, shall we say. Um, so it had it had to get the regulations in place. So that takes a long time. The teams have a lot of power in F1, so they can veto anything that they don't really like. Um, so they've had to get F1, the FIA, the governing body, they've had to get the teams on board. They've introduced this cost cap, which we have in place now, uh, which um, it was one of the big, big measures that, they hoped would level the playing field because if you can't outspend your rivals, then hopefully th- you know that, that will help everybody. Um, that hasn't been the case. Uh, we aren't getting another regulation change until 2026. Now, I'm, <laughs> I may have put people off this season. I, I don't want to put people off the next two after that. Um, but it, you know, there will be tweaks, I'm sure. Uh, but there's only so much they can do. So, I mean, fair play. Obviously, the sport would be much better if any of the 20 drivers could win. You know, you only have to look back through history to know that that's never actually been the case, and um, that you know there's always been eras of dominance, uh, and that will that will continue. Um, so it's a tr- tricky one. You know, Liberty Media F1 they are trying to make it better. Mm. I think there's a kind of a, a consensus that this hasn't quite worked out, um, and so I think they'll be looking very closely at those um, new regulations in 2026, which also include a huge engine change. Yes, because I'm sure, Rebecca, it's escaped nobody's attention that the sport effectively this century anyway peaked with that showdown between Verstappen and Hamilton. It was the perfect storm of two big characters and a race, uh, a championship down to the wire on the back of the Netflix documentary. And so, you know, what what a pity for all concerned that the subsequent season and now it looks like two seasons are non-events. Yeah, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. And this is a big problem for F1 because they're pushing into the States. You mentioned that Netflix documentary has brought in a lot of fans. I mean, it's undeniable. Every single race you go to, it's record attendance. You know, I remember the days of going to Austin even sort of six, seven years ago, and you could book a hotel the week before. Now you're booking it now for 
a race that's in October. It's just, and then you can't get into a restaurant unless you've got a booking. It's it's absolutely crazy. We have three races in the US this year. And, you know, starting with Miami, it wasn't a great spectacle. Miami actually isn't a particularly good track, in my opinion, and it doesn't really foster great racing. Um, and then we go to Austin, which is superb. And then we have Vegas, obviously the big showpiece of the year. But you can't attract these fans and then not give them the racing. It can't just be, it's not enough to just have these personalities, these drivers carrying the sport, because at the end of the day, when they put their helmets on, you know, we've got no idea what their couple of radio messages here and there, but, you know, they just get on with their job at hand. And so it's really tricky and it's quite a fine line to balance. Um, I don't think they've quite cracked it yet. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the reason they've introduced these sprint races. That's the reason that they, at very short notice, with three days notice, introduced the sprint shootouts, as they're calling it, which is basically just qualifying, but a couple of minutes shorter, um, because they're trying to make their, they're trying to have more action that actually means something on the track every single day. So rather than having two hours of practice on Friday, which I, you know, I only watch because it's my job, <laughs> nobody really wants to watch it, but it's, you know, it's much better this way. Um, but it, it needs to be more exciting because, yeah, as you, as you rightly say, you can't attract all these new fans and then, you know, the, the product that you're ultimately selling them, the race, is, you know, rubbish. I did see even Lewis Hamilton was calling on F1 to give fans, quote, more excitement and he conceded there is a boredom factor. Uh, from a time when his car was uber competitive, and he was still thinking about maybe leaving F1. I, I can't think his uh, demeanour or engagement in the sport this year in a car that isn't competitive is all too hot. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because his contract expires at the end of this year. Mercedes certainly haven't given him a car to win his eighth world championship. It probably won't happen next year either. As I mentioned, these upgrades in Imola will be fascinating to see how much they actually do make a difference. The funny thing about Lewis Hamilton is that He's almost more up for it when he's behind, if that makes sense. He, you know, when he's the, you know, 2014, for example, when he just ran away with the title, he he got bored. And then we had 17 and 18 when he was fighting with Sebastian Vettel at, then at Ferrari. He loved that. He, you know, he went into both summers behind in the championship and that, came back and had the most incredible second half of the season both times. Um, and he really enjoys being behind. He you know, everyone has an opinion on him, um, but he he does work as a team. He truly believes that he is just one of the thousands that work on that car. He's you know, he'll sit for hours with his engineers and mechanics, and um, he he really cares and he really loves his team and he really does want them to be back at the front. You know, I've I've seen the reports that he's looking around and he's going to jump ship and what might happen. But in reality, there's I mean, there's nowhere else to go. No one else is offering him a competitive car. Um, I don't, you know, he's loyal to the core as well. I think he'll stay, he'll see out his career at Mercedes. I do think he will sign at least one more year. Um, and I think he's just desperate to get, you know, a he just wants a final throw of the dice. He just wants one more chance and he'll, he'll be thinking, okay, if I get through this year and then I can make the car more competitive for next year and then hopefully I can start the season and I can actually throw down the gauntlet um, and actually have a battle with Max Verstappen and win it this time. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got at least one year left in him after this one. Well, that would get everybody very excited again. So he's fourth currently 
in the uh, Drivers' Championship, Alonso third. And then we've brushed by Sergio Perez, also of Red Bull, Max Verstappen's teammate. He's 14 points behind Verstappen. And in Miami, the race just gone. I, I, you know, I saw it described as, as somewhat embarrassing for him, given that he has said he could pose a challenge to Verstappen. And yet Verstappen from ninth carved his way uh, through the grid past his uh, teammate. So I don't know. It doesn't look likely that uh, Perez is going to put any kind of challenge to Verstappen. Um, certainly one that will get people excited. And, and also, I don't know to what extent Red Bull would allow that is the other um, curiosity of uh, Formula One. Yeah, both, both very good points, because um, if I'm being brutally honest, I I never considered Perez to be a challenger, even at the start of the season, even after two wins that he's had so far this year, even after getting pole position in Miami, which, as you say, kind of embarrassingly, he then finished more than five seconds behind Verstappen uh, in second. There is also, a, would I call it a rumour, a, a, a widely held consensus, let's say, that Verstappen has it written into his contract that he is the number one driver. No one really believes that Red Bull would let Perez have much of a march on him. Um, Verstappen certainly has no interest. And I thought it was quite interesting because in Baku, the race just before Miami, Verstappen was was off. Um, it wasn't a great weekend for him. He was a bit grumpy all weekend. He was complaining about the sprint race. He didn't really seem like his head was in the game. And he arrived in Miami and... Perez was only six points behind him in the championship. So it was, you know, whoever won the race was going to be leading the championship heading out of Miami. And he just got this feeling from Verstappen where he thought, do you know what? I can't I can't be doing with this. He's not my challenger. I'm going to turn up. You know, he had a, made a mistake on Saturday and then the qualifying was cut short, which is why he ended up being ninth because he couldn't improve on his time. But then he turned up and suddenly thought, no, I've had enough of this. This is who I am. It was an utterly dominant display by Verstappen. It was really a brilliant drive from him, you know, overtaking two cars in one corner. Uh, you know, he he kind of saved the race in a way, otherwise it would have been very boring. But he just, he just, for me, he's on a different level. He is a, a supreme driver. Uh, it, you know, he, there are very few of his talent, probably he's none really, um, who are as good as him in his generation. So, I just, you know, it's my job. There's a lot of 18 races left to go this season. You've got to keep people interested in the sport. I'm not sure I've done a particularly good job of that this <laughs> evening. Um, but it's, you know, I'd love Perez to be more competitive. But just because he's not necessarily going to be fighting for the championship, I think a really interesting story will develop. With this. There's, We've already saw it last year, a bit of friction between the two of them. And I think that will continue this season. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, fingers crossed, because uh, we're scraping the barrel a touch otherwise, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, could I, um, and, and uh, forgive me, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just saw an interview uh, today with uh, Sophia Floresch. I probably mispronounced uh, her name. She's a German driver. She yeah. is 22 years of age. She's driving in Formula 3. She has taken part in endurance events like uh, Le Mans. She has made a tough stuff. She broke her spine in a terrible crash in 2018 yeah. when she was 17. And that doesn't seem to have dented her nerve. And she's uh, very much back now and driving as a 22-year-old. I suppose what caught my eye, Rebecca, is that she said at the Laureus Awards is where she was interviewed that she would uh, very much have her sights on competing in Formula 1 in the next three to five years. So how likely is that? Wait, wait, you know, what, what is the generally accepted timeline uh, before we might see a female F1 driver? So I, I think that's um, 
possibly a bit soon. Three to five years, uh, particularly if she's in F1, F3, sorry, as you say. Um, her crash was absolutely horrific. I remember it at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was awful. Um, I'd say you're more looking at five to eight years. So Formula One, so you, there was a, an all-female racing series called W Series, um, which was around for three years. It doesn't look like it's going to come back. Um, and it's pretty much, if I won't like me saying this, um, been replaced by what is called the F1 Academy. So this is F1's own motor racing series. It's only for females. And the entire aim is to get a racing driver into a female racing driver into F1. So they have appointed Susie Wolf, who herself is a former uh, racing driver. She's the last female to have competed in an F1 weekend. She took part in a practice session for Williams. She's the wife of Toto Wolf as well, the Mercedes team principal. She so she knows her stuff. She knows the sport. She's been team principal over in Formula E as well. And she has been put in charge of this F1 Academy. And she did an interview a couple of weeks ago, um, and she said that she believes, with everything that she's looked at, that it's about getting a woman on the grid will be eight to ten years away from now. Yes, I saw that, yeah. So I think that's a more realistic time frame than what Sophia is saying. And I'm sure Sophia is probably absolutely desperate to get into F1, and like, you know, all, all single-seater racing drivers are. Um, but I think I would probably have to listen to Susie Wolf, who's taking a more holistic approach, I guess, to it. And looking at all the data and the F1 Academy has already started. They've had their testing and they've been out in Austria um, and they'll be, they'll be racing as well. Um, so I guess we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Uh, but I mean, you won't find anyone who doesn't want to see a female in F1. So if it's a fear, that's great. But um, yeah, I, th I think it will happen. I do believe it will happen, but three to five is a bit soon. Okay. Very good. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca Clancy of The Times. You can read Rebecca's uh, work on F1 and motorsport in The Times. Thanks a million, Rebecca. Appreciate it.